0: a podcast
1: one production
2: if you had a stylist and that stylist asked you like you know what are the three things you look for in an outfit so i can style you like to your brand what would those like three things be
3: extra slutty pink
2: <laughs> is ex- so extra slutty and pink I used to go through this period where I would, like, name my styles. Like, you know, like, there was one summer I dressed like a teen witch. Disco babysitters club. But I, like, go in with a really strong concept, and then the wheels fall off because I get bored. Yeah, just like everything
3: else in our lives. (laughs) And it just disintegrates into drinking wine. This is Radical Fashionism with Christian and Andy. And we're doing a
2: podcast because what we're wearing is too good for you to look at. So I hate all shoes. As a general rule, I particularly hate sneakers, but I really, really need them. But I never want to buy shoes ever. You are a
3: sneaky man. I, so they are crucial.
2: I never want to buy shoes ever. They're just not something I ever am like, oh, I need to buy these shoes. These shoes. I love shoes. I just don't think they make my outfit. Like, I'm much more invested in, like, apparel or a nice hat or,
3: like... Nah, shoes or outerwear. That's what I like to spend my mullet on. Of- well, sorry, I like to spend, you all. Richards. spend Richard's money on.
2: <laughs> See, for me, it's like my feet are so disgusting. True. Like, they're so revolting that they actually destroy shoes. Like, they, like... I get about six months out of any pair of shoes before the sweat is like so acrid and acidic that it like eats through the
3: shoe. Did you know that in one day the average foot sweats up to two cups?
2: I'll yeah. oh, see. Mine has to be doing like a couple of liters. Yeah. Like at least a pump, <laughs>
3: at least a pump water bottle. A pint.
2: Yeah. <laughs> like because they literally it literally corrodes the leather away till it's just like my barefoot like walking with a bit of sole still left. Like it is revolting It is revolting, isn't it? Like it's, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. Like it's truly disgusting. I had to throw a pair of Converse out um, on Sunday. Because Because they were gross. The outside of them stank more than the inside of them. And I didn't understand how. And because they were Converse. Yeah, true. But like when I wear socks, like I've got a pair of socks on today with a pair of like Doc Martens. I will take the socks off tomorrow. And if I don't put them in the wash, if I just leave them sit out, they go like cardboard. Like the sock goes hard. It's true. I don't know what's wrong with me. Like, I don't know if it's something that I should be getting checked out.
3: A lot. And to be honest, if we started going down the list of your issues, the foot sock thing wouldn't <laughs> actually rank that high.
2: It wouldn't even. It wouldn't even make it top on, ten. It wouldn't even make it on the list. Would make
3: it to Hollywood.
2: They'd be like, "You can do this. Like, that's something you can climb." So as a man that completely lacks style. I do. I openly say that I have terrible style. I don't have a style. For me, like, having style means that you look the same every day. Like, you have, like, an aesthetic. You work towards, like, a concept of, like, who you are and how you want to present yourself. I don't have that.
3: Someone the other day was talking to me about um, an event that we recently went to, and they were like, who do you think was the best styled or, like, looked the best? And I was like, us. And they're like, really? And I was like, what's the point in going to something if you don't think that you look the best? Play to win. You might not, like actually but yeah. like you need to go in there with that attitude but
2: why do you think we go to so many podunk back swamp events and not the big fancy ones i'm not going to come in second i want to walk in and know that every love island person is going to look awful and i will rise to the top like the god that i am
3: excuse me <laughs> they have worked hard to get a bunch of free boohoo things that they're going to be sponsoring on their instagram for the next 30 years
2: <laughs> i am, um, yeah no i don't think i have good style um I don't think that good style is necessarily good either. I think that it has a tendency to, like, limit you and, like, constrict you to, like, feeling like you have to do
3: things when you shouldn't. Would you ever get a stylist?
2: Um, I would get a stylist, yes, but... Um, one, so that I could say things like, these oh, stylists be for me. But I would get a stylist not necessarily so that they could style my outfits. I think that's a common misconception about stylists. Stylists don't really do that. I would get a stylist well, I because think there they are were, multiple kind of Yeah, because they have access. It's being able to get the stuff. Yes. Yeah. And I think that is like that is because if you have a stylist, like you know, you've watched Rachel Zoe. When she goes to style. Someone. There's racks and racks and racks and racks of clothes. That you know, you as the person still have to choose what you're gonna wear. Yeah. Um, it's not like she comes with one dress and she's like, Yes, yes,
0: just
1: put it on.
2: Like, <laughs> I mean, I wish she did. That would be my they would the show wouldn't have got cancelled if mm-hmm. you did. But it's that she can she has the PR connections to get those yeah. things so that I may choose. Also,
3: shopping is really hard. Like it's really, really, really hard. I really dislike when people, especially when it comes to starlets, shall we call them, um, when certain people such as your Blake Lively's or your Diane Kruger's who style themselves, people are like, oh, well, I love it so much more because they've done it themselves. And I'm like, but if you don't have an interest in it, yeah. if you are just a girl that's going to an event yeah. and you know that people are going to judge you and you don't really give a shit, yeah. why would you be so invested? It's, it's, also, it's no better or worse. For me, like, it's also very easy for,
2: like, a six-foot-tall size two person to style themselves. However, if you were Kathy Bates, you probably oh. need a little help. Like, oh,
3: this thing looks good on me. <laughs> oh, don't make me sing. Oh. Don't make
2: me sing. Um, I think, though, like, do you think it's cheating? Do you think it's cheating? Are you disappointed when, like... You see something you love and then it's like, oh, you know, Patricia Field style it. Like, do you ever feel like fashion icons like Sarah Jessica Parker have kind of cheated their way to the top because they
3: had quote-unquote, a stylist kind of curate the whole image? No, because I definitely think that it's when there's a harmonious collaboration between the star and the stylist and then often designers that that's when the true kind of icons are born, you know, because there definitely needs to be a willing participant. Because as you said before, if you're like, no, I hate it, like... Realistically, are you telling me that Britney Spears is choosing all her own outfits, one hundred percent? Like she's yes. like yes, she is. But my sense is <laughs> that there's like a stylist there. I'm sure someone's like trying to put her in cute outfits, and she's like, no, no. this is like I want to wear this pretty little thing dress. I think like, I think the other thing that people don't understand I is look like good. I want to say I was not shaming Britney because she looks amazing yeah. and her Instagram is phenomenal.
2: There are two points here. First, since I mentioned Sarah Jessica Parker, I just remembered our plan to buy a racehorse and call it Sarah Jessica Parker. (laughs) Um, And secondly, a lot of people, and this is only something that I found out relatively recently, like within the last five, ten years. Houses, like Chanel, for example, even when Karl Lagerfeld, God rest his soul, was alive, he was the designer. But the house still has a stylist. The runway show still has a stylist. It's not like, it is, like, it is a career that, it is, like, integrated into the infrastructure that is fashion.
3: I mean, I think that a lot of people sort of really underplay the importance of a stylist because they are the people that decode these trends. They yep. see them firsthand when it comes mm-hmm. to the runway, and then they bring it into real life, whether mm-hmm. that's on themselves or the people that they are styling. Absolutely. They make it a reality.
2: And I think too, like the the theme of styling doesn't necessarily just stop with picking clothes. Like if you go back and watch uh, like the Bill Cunningham documentary, even though he was a photographer, you can see him, he would get obsessed with trends and he would take photos of those trends and he would deconstruct them. and And, you know, he might not have been putting clothes on people, but he was still like, styling the landscape of at least the language that we were using. And I think that it's not always just about, oh, yeah, here's the coat, here's the pants, these shoes look good, take the photo. I think there's... um it's something that is really integrated into every aspect of the creative experience. As somebody who doesn't work full-time in fashion, but I do work full-time in creative, how I style and curate things is really important, whether that's putting a document together for a business or whether that's, you know, physically setting up my desk in the morning, like having pride in the curation of how things look really set you up for success. Like if you're just a person who's happy to like, I don't know, drink Nescafe in like a, World's best dad cup in with stains on your shirt, then you're probably not going to have a great day anyway. The dream, like, like the dream, like you. It's it is something that like you get to be your own stylist. Yeah. Like I really like to to try and take on that persona for myself when I get dressed. Is like, th- like this is my chance. Like you know, I don't get to style, you know, Naomi Watts. So like, I need to do me. What a weird person to grab. Yeah, I like brain. it, though, A lot of Armani privé. I think that's the other thing, too, is stylists, too. Like, if you look at people like Grace Coddington, Patricia Field, like, if you look at the great stylists of our generation.
3: Christian Wilkins. Christian
2: Wilkins. They actually look horrid. <laughs> Yeah. Like outwardly it's it's a creative process that is obviously internal and there's no desire for them to look good. See, I'm too selfish to be a stylist because I would take all the great things for me. Absolutely. I think it has to be you have to be dedicated to just making the world a more beautiful place. And there's a lot of emotion tied up in this. Like, you know, Mm. if I go, do you like this outfit? And you're like, no, it hurts my feelings. (laughs) Like it hurts me. It really it hurts my feelings. I would rather you like call my mum a dog and say I look bad like the other day somebody said to me you look good and I was like I I that wasn't I thought that I was the, I was the business like I was a
3: smidge of the business I hate that I always get compliments when I'm in my like jeans and a tee or like jeans and a like basic shirt and people are like I love this outfit from you I'm like this is so lame yeah like I've yeah there's sauce on my shirt leave me alone <laughs>
2: Poodles. If you don't have legs, you can't wear high heels. And if you don't have a brain, here's a history segment. Watch closely. Welcome to the radical fashionism school of fashion for the gifted.
3: And the not so gifted.
2: I love it. Shall I teach you something? Yeah, what have you got? What have you got in your blue notebook that the front is filled with silly songs, which I still...
3: Silly sing. songs. Can you in sing
2: my- one of the songs before you start the history section? Sure. Please. Sure. Oh, not that one. <laughs> oh, please, that
3: one. That's the one you have to sing. <laughs> I'll count you in. A five, a six. I just don't know how, I just don't know the um, melody. Can I, like, just read it like a poem? No, no, no. I need it sung.
2: You have such a beautiful voice. Why would you deny me that gift?
3: I watched you pass me by. I saw that flicker in your eye. Taking off is what you do. It's not your fault. It's what your mum taught you. <laughs> Who was I writing that about? I want everyone to know, I, I, what? 24 years in, I have always been single, which means I've never had a romantic emotional response to anyone. I've never dated.
2: You've been dating Richard for years. Like,
3: who am I writing this about? <laughs> Where were they I you passing by, to? like, what, at the Barrow? Like, <laughs> they'll go and get another drink, and I was like, nah, come back. How old were you when you wrote that ditty? Sixteen? I've been kind of lazy Thinking about you lately What do I do? (laughs) That was a short one. It's like a museum.
2: Yeah. It's like... Okay. If we can now just get to the history segment before I
3: die. So, who do you think, like... I feel like you would be able to guess this. Who do you think had the first known stylist?
2: Audrey Hepburn, Catherine um, Hepburn.
3: No, long before. Oh. 1700s.
2: Oh, Elizabeth the
3: 1st? Marie.
2: Oh, of course. Yeah.
3: Marie Antoinette. 1772 is the first time that she was like documented to like help her out. She had this chick called Rose Burton, um that she basically used as her stylist. She qu- she was quoted saying that um, Rose helped her combat her enemies with style. Unfortunately, she also couldn't combat the guillotine.
2: Yeah, that's true, I guess.
3: She sure. should, she could have got a steel neck brace in there. She- <laughs> and that would have maybe helped. She won for a while and then she really <laughs> lost. Yeah. But then, you know, there was, there was sort of a, a bit of a trend there in... Um, you know, around that time of having stylists, but there wasn't anything really particularly well documented until the 1960s. Jackie O? Yeah. I mean, in the 1960s, when it came to, like, editorials and all of these things... of course. Models pretty much always did their own hair and makeup, but that's when you started to see the rise of the fashion editor. Yeah. um, Diane Freeland. Yeah, who were kind of around to curate these things. Then in the 1970s, you sort of had image consulting, um, and you had the Dress for Success book. And that's when people really started to take an interest in celebrity culture.
2: I love that. I want to be an image consultant. It makes me think I'd wear like a navy blue skirt suit. And yeah. I'm, and now i like a briefcase full of products. Yeah. Hi, like I'm an Andy. Avon. Yeah. Hi, I'm Andy. I'm your image consultant. Yeah.
3: I'm selling images of myself. <laughs> <laughs> hi, I have this headshot. Here I am with a bowl of fruit. Here's a tasteful nude. <laughs>
2: I would do that. That's image see, I consulting. would never be a stylist, but I'd be an image consultant because yeah. I feel like that's a whole like that's a whole immersive brand experience. Well, the nineteen
3: seventies really like we saw an interest in obviously magazines and everything started to really kind of pick up around this time. People became hyper obsessed with celebrities because Mm -hmm. suddenly there was so much more access to actually seeing what these people looked like. You'd see them on the pictures show. Then in the 1980s, you had Ray Petrie. He was really kind of the first modern stylist. stylist. Yeah. um, He was known for his Buffalo style, urban, ethnic, street, sports, and high fashion. So he basically really kind of evolved that kind of taste that we still have today which is that collaboration between your high-end designers and your kind of street stuff mm-hmm. and it was very over the top very um extravagant and th- that around this time you then had those image consultants kind of build firms um so it was kind of your first kind of big styling ha- houses. houses that's amazing yeah in 1990 exactly it was the year the, of my birth. The year of your birth. The Oscars that year became known as the Armani Awards because basically Armani were one of the first big houses that started having their own internal stylists. And they started reaching out to celebrities and loaning clothes for these big things. So in the 1990s Oscars, everyone was pretty much in Armani. Armani. Yeah. Good um, on you, George. Yeah, no kidding. Um. And basically, Franka Sos... Franka sos high. I don't really know how to say her name. That sounds correct. From Italian Vogue. She was basically the one that talked about it in the 1990s, saying there's been a very strong sense of styling and stylists in the last three years. It's only a relatively new career in its kind of current incantation. Totally, totally. But then it wasn't um, in the 2000s. That's when we really kind of saw the celebrity stylists come up. That's where you've got your Kate Youngs, your Leslie Freemans, your Elizabeth Stuarts, and obviously your Rachel Zoe. Um, she was the first. Well, she's a mogul. Yeah. Well, she was. Um. She was kind of the person that was first labeled as the stylist that has wields the most power over like the public image, the public views of celebrities and of what stylists are. And in 2011, she was. Known, the Hollywood Reporter basically released their first list of 25 top stylists in Hollywood, and she was number one. They continue to release that since 2011, but she kind of really was the person that. I mean, I think for all of us, when you think of a stylist, especially in the 2000s, she was the queen. But I think, too, she was a character. Like, she's a character of a
2: stylist, which I think is very important. Like, there's that episode of The Simpsons, I think, where Homer turns gay or it starts being friends with gay. And there's the hairstylist, he's cutting his hair and he's like, what's your name? And he's like... Francesco and he's then he says his name he's like no my name must never be spoken like there's a there's a caricature of a stylist and Absolutely. Rachel Zoe really does that well oh totally
3: I mean the glasses and like the the tiny little like frame and the big hair and stuff that was always somehow dry yeah um, yeah and it was you know around the 2000s that's when you started to see all the big fashion houses have personal shoppers it's when Um, all these big kind of e-commerce brands started to like reach out and have their own personal shoppers as as well.
2: It's interesting how it's been something, it, it has existed for a very long time, but realistically in like the economic landscape since the 90s has only been a like institution. But, you know, we're talking about things that were around with, you know, in... Yeah, but, 17, well, I mean, 17 I suppose,
3: months. like, it, it's obvious, but until kind of recent days, there wasn't widespread images. The things that you were seeing were read or it was the radio. You could sort of hear it. But it was only when kind of television, magazines, newspapers came up and you could actually see people and people wanted to emulate their style. Yeah. That this career was kind of born.
2: Is that the thing? Is that is that the crux of styling? Is that it's people wanting to copy other people's good style?
3: Well, I think it's the sense that you are now seeing... Like either what celebrities or fashion houses are doing, yeah, and you're having an interest, you're having an emotional response to that, and you kind of want to try and, yeah, I guess copy it, well emulate it, you know.
2: That was really interesting, and I thought it was going to be boring. I said that, that to you. To you. I prepared I really-
3: this a little while ago, and I, yeah, I thought that that was very yeah. interesting too. Good job, me. That was me high fiving myself. This is radical fashionism with Christian
2: and Andy. Well, we are so lucky today to have the international uh, stylist for Tony Bianco. Don't be mean. (laughs) The cover, the
3: face, the muse of Tony Bianco. I'm actually really excited because I have two friends and they're about to be in the same room. I mean, you guys are actually really in for a treat because
2: Rebecca is the only person who can keep up with my hilarity. Shut up.
3: Like, Um, she is the only one. She's a senior stylist at Channel 9 and... Yeah, she's coming in just for a good time chat. Now, we've
2: never done this with a guest, and I think it's a really good way and topic to warm up um, this conversation. Really, like, get us into a safe space where we can explore each other's bodies. And that's, Beck. what the f*** are you wearing today?
1: Oh, my God, Yeah, <laughs> yay! Um, I'm wearing a nude bodysuit. Yeah, nude um, Which I'm really into. Yeah, you are. Because I get a lot of double takes, not because I'm assuming it looks good, but because people think I'm nudie-roody. It's yeah.
2: very close to your skin colour, and your nipples are highly erect. <laughs>
1: They're, like... And it's not even cold in here. No, and you I'm have a bra totally on. just You're just very aroused. I'm just like, wow, so yeah, happy to be here. You're horny here. for
2: podcasting. That's me.
1: <laughs> horny for learning.
2: Keep going, keep going down your outfit. Um,
1: and then I'm wearing um, some jeans that are from Andy's favourite place.
2: And then I, what's on a, the face? And then I'm wearing
1: some like fake Python boots. From um Tony Bianco. Oh. Who I'm actually sponsored by. Yeah. Literally every article of clothing I wear, <laughs> even if it's a top, if it's pants, is from Tony Bianco. <laughs> so the running bag joke bag is Tony jeans. B- yep. So
2: the running joke is Rebecca bought this really nice pair of boots, maybe like what, six months ago, a year? Like they were nice boots. Yeah, like, Balanciago. Balenciaga. They, yeah. So They had a B on them, or I don't know how. They didn't have a B on them. What are you talking about? I don't know how it began, but I was. No, the the thing thing is, you're a bitch. (laughs) There was something you were like, I don't know, maybe you were on yourself and you were like, oh, look at my bitch And I was like, I just made some backhanded way, <laughs> comment that you looked good in your Tony Biancos. Not that there's anything wrong with Tony Biancos, you know. You've got to save it. That's a place for them. We're I mean, in a recession.
1: Part of this, <laughs> the best part of this story is that you're yet to see me in a pair of Tony Biancos.
2: <laughs> you should not. <laughs> and that's, yeah. because, that's because for the last 10 years you've told everyone your foot arch is too high that you can't wear heels that and you just fall out of them. That is a
1: medical issue <laughs> that you know I'm very sensitive about.
2: <laughs> but anyway, you are styled very well today. Thank you. Did you do it yourself? Did it myself. So you've styled some, I guess, very important people in the Australian Mm -hmm. landscape and not just like styled them for the Arias red carpet, but like for everyday public consumption. It's not always like high glamour. It's not always, you know, you're not always, it's not a wow factor. Sometimes you're trying to dress people for... Uh, like mass consumption, is that different? Is that harder? It's very
1: different. I actually enjoy the challenge of that because you're not just getting access to the latest stuff. People aren't throwing things at you, so you have to be a little bit... Yeah, you have to hustle about it. And also, it's corporate wear. It's what um, people look to us for inspiration for what they wear to work. And you want to provide something that's a little bit different, um, which can be difficult in the Australian landscape because it is a small pool and it's getting smaller. Yeah. So... Yeah, I mean, what we've done lately is go, you know, for, if you want something different, go to a consignment store. They yeah. have some amazing labels there that you can um, mix in with your, you know, your more run-of-the-mill type type brands.
3: When it um, comes to styling people for every day, mm-hmm. are there some guidelines?
1: We definitely have style guidelines. We literally have a book on it because...
3: What are some of them?
1: Um you know, you don't want too many clashing prints on people when they're reading the news because you want to take in what they're saying. You don't want their wardrobe to be distracting. You want to appreciate it. Yeah. It needs to look good. You don't want to hear still, about
2: bushfires with tits and teeth.
1: You don't want that. It's it's not appropriate. Right. Um, you know, you want the tailoring to be nice. As long as you're not looking at the person and questioning what they're wearing, I think you've nailed the brief.
2: <laughs> and now, do you? a lot of the things that we're seeing on television... Are they are they loaned or are they purchased?
1: Um, we used to loan a lot more a couple of years ago, but that landscape has changed quite a bit. In that people don't want to loan to TV anymore, which does make our job quite a lot more difficult because we obviously don't have endless budgets.
3: Why is that? Um, Not the budget. Why don't they want to loan anymore? The rise anymore?
1: of the Instagram peoples, I would say they're more inclined to loan to them.
3: Oh yes, their official title, the Instagram, the Instagram peoples. peoples. <laughs>
1: I prefer all, the word
3: scum, but carry on.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, so when I first started for four and a bit years ago, we loaned quite consistently and people were happy to, to hand over things. You have to beg, borrow and steal to get it these days, you know, for your everyday sort of looks. We still obviously for events, um, we loan for those because we don't have the budget, but... Um, we're generally purchasing for day-to-day looks, so no. it's
2: also like a personal shopper's role as well. You're also absolutely shopping.
1: part of my role. A couple of times a month, I'll take a reporter out shopping, and we do, you know, her six months look. So that whether that's the summer or winter stuff. Um,
2: is there like a concept brief to what the look will be? Like, I'm a young ingenue reporter. Yeah, um, I'm short. I'm blonde. Like, what's my look? Do you come in with a Do you come in with a brief, or do you? Is it up to me? Like, block color cap sleeve. Is
1: it? Yeah, nailed it. Um, well is once it again it, we don't dictated by the
2: network. Yeah,
1: we don't have that much room for movement with stuff like that because again we are sticking to those style guidelines and generally speaking the reporters will say you tell me because that's what they're there for. Okay. They might have a you know a bit of an idea of what works and what doesn't work on them but they hand over the reins and yep. we go from there.
3: Now within the sort of nine landscape there's still a lot of room to kind of move because you work within obviously their daytime television mm-hmm. roles but then also For things like the Logies, Mm -hmm. for other local events, for things like Carol's, which one's kind of your favourite and what's the biggest difference between working between them?
1: Um, Definitely doing events is a lot of fun. Something like Arias is a fun night because people tend to get a little more um, creative and and are willing to take more risks. Um, Logies, uh, it depends on who you're working with. Um, But Carol's, um, custom dresses are always an option, which is fantastic, and we have pretty amazing designers out there who put all their hard work and time into creating stuff um, because that that's a pretty big show for the networks, the end of the year, everyone loves Christmas.
3: So when it comes to a custom outfit for someone, mm-hmm. what, what's that whole process like? Do you reach out to a designer yourself? Do you reach out through... Uh, the talent that you're working with
1: so generally what happens is obviously you'd speak to the talent and ask if they have any ideas on anything um but generally i would have a designer in mind for that person and um think that they would work well together we can send through inspo pics they might come back and say yes i think that will work or um they'll send pictures through of what they've had an idea about it is it is actually a really nice um, collaborative collaborative event and um yeah it's a lot of fun
3: What's your favourite thing that you've ever styled? And then your least favourite.
1: Oh, okay. I've got a few. Well, I think my favourite um, look was Ali Langdon for the Aries a couple of years ago. She was wearing this KIDEX dress and it had like a leather collar. Um, and then kind of a Chewley layer to it. It was nice and rock and roll. And it was kind of the first time that she'd let me do something a bit different with her. Loose. Loose.
2: And who would you like to apologise to? To
1: Richard. The, this still haunts me I still think about this it was kind of the first time that I was styling someone for a red carpet event and I loaned from a PR company and there were two um shirts that I loaned for him and a jacket and for some strange reason I didn't swap out the pocket square when he chose the other shirt and it was like this hideous maroon I think it had spots on it oh, and then and that then yeah that was me and then the pocket square was blue. It was so ugly. It was so ugly. And it was such a shame because you looked really good. And then Richard was standing next to you in his hideous outfit. And I think about that a lot. <laughs> and I want to apologise to him because this that is, really was This that is attached. a good
2: place to clear Lay the conscience. I feel good. <laughs> now, do you consider yourself a creative person?
1: Um, I think so. I think because my job is actually quite specific and niche, there are certain parameters of my creativity. But in that sense, it means I do actually have to be more creative in yeah. order to not keep it stagnant. So, yep. yeah, I problem, mean, I pro- it's taken me a while to give myself that, but I actually do think that, yeah, it's definitely part of the job.
3: What's it like kind of walking down the street as a stylist? Like, are you constantly seeing people's outfits and, like, criticising them or, like, picking through it or, like, taking notes?
1: I wouldn't say criticising, but I think um, my eyes are definitely open to that. Your eyes go to things, Um you know, especially maybe not so much people in the street, but if I'm at the shops, I'm constantly thinking, "Oh, you know, that will look good for Georgie on News, and that will blah blah blah." So yeah, I absolutely that happens all the time. You can't switch off from yeah, it. Yeah,
2: so you like steal style inspiration from the from the lay people. Exactly. If you will. Yeah. Uh, can you please give me some outfit advice for today? I'll stand up so okay. you can really see what I'm
1: wearing. Okay. Um. First of all, you look great in your plateau pant. Let me see your hair today. I want to see your hair. <laughs> what hair? <laughs> Oh, it looks good. You've got a different colour. It's just growing out. Okay, fab. Um, well, your booty looks really nice. I haven't seen this look on you before. No. You're all shiny, and f-
2: in my face.
1: Yeah. Are you using the ordinary skincare line?
2: No, we actually got a facial yesterday, but I am using the ordinary skincare line. Ordinary, if you're listening, I would love. He would. That's to work all he you. talks
1: about. It's like kind of weird. There's
2: nothing else to talk about.
1: And Christian looks like the perfect little son, my son. Oh, my little mom, well, I love you so much. I love you. <laughs>
0: Hi, right, thanks for calling. Leave a message and
1: I'll
3: get right back to you. Bye. Papa! Um, I'm just here with Andy and we're recording our episode and guess who's joining us today?
1: It's Mum. It's yeah. Mum! Say we've
3: hit the bottom of the talent barrel. It's really
1: scraping the bottom. Yeah. It's and all yet-
3: of my two friends in one room. If a meteor hit now, I would die somewhat happy.
1: You would just die.
3: Yeah. Anyway, Richard. We'll be home soon. Love you. Bye.
1: Bye. Radical Fashionism was presented by Christian Wilkins and Andy Kelly, created in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer Alex Mitchell, executive producer Jennifer Goggin. Sound production by Darcy Thompson. For more episodes, listen for free at podcastoneaustralia.com.au or download the Podcast One Australia app. Just so proud
3: of them. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah,
0: that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks, then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Walmart Plus members save on Meeting Up With Friends.